0: I wanted to uh, share a story that I heard uh, Pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges share before I get started. Uh, he told him a story about an African king that had a servant that he became become friends with. He loved this guy because no matter what, this guy always had a positive attitude. And everything that would happen, he'd say, this is good. This is good. It didn't matter what happened. He'd say, this is good. So one day he took this servant out hunting. And the servant was getting ready to to shoot something, and he got to talk the servant into loading his gun. And so he put the shell in the gun, and he fires at the animal, but it misfired. He had loaded it wrong, and it blew his thumb off. And so the first thing the servant said, this is good. Well, obviously, the African king got upset, got angry, so he put him in prison. And so... It was, he was in there for about a year. Uh, the African king went hunting again. So this time we was on one of his hunting trips. He was captured by some cannibals. And so this, uh, one of the things that cannibals don't like is anything that's imperfect. So they saw this man that was missing his thumb, and they didn't want to have anything to do with him, so they let him go. So when he made it back to his country, he went to his friend that was in prison, and he said, will you please forgive me? I'm sorry that I put you in here. And the, and the servant said, this is good. He said, how could you say that this is good? I, you've been in prison for a whole year. He said, if I would have been with you, I wouldn't be here today. So this is good. So it's just depending on how you look at stuff. Now, when when... When Brother Rodney asked me to speak, I had been working on some things, and so the Lord's always pressing me on some stuff and at different times. And I always wonder, when is it time for me to share this? Should I share it? Sometimes maybe it's just for me, it's not for anybody else. But it's always my heart that I want to be prepared to share Jesus with everybody I come in contact with. You know, we don't meet anybody by accident, do we? It's a divine appointment. I don't care where you're going or what you're doing. God puts people in your path, an intersection, for you to be Jesus to them. So, um, we were, uh, the, the singles group asked me to come be a part of their Bible study. And you look at me, and here I'm. Married for a long time, have lots of children, have a wonderful granddaughter. Uh, and, you know, what would, it, what would you need to be in the singles class for? And I'm not really sure, you know, but they're teaching me, I promise you. Uh, we can learn something from everybody, can't we? We can. So uh, sometimes if you've been married a long time you hang out with some single people, you realize, you know why you're not single anymore, you want to be married. And you get it right, so you'll be happily married. So you can be married or you can be happily married, right? Can I get an amen from the married people? Yeah, and for those of y'all that are thinking about getting married, you want to be happily married, okay? So we were sitting in discussion and Bible study, and I don't... How many of y'all know Becca Moore? There's no Moores in the house anymore? There's one person that knows Becca. Becca is a member of our family, 19-year-old young lady. Uh, she's been through a little bit uh, in, her, in her journey of life. She has a pacemaker, okay, 19 years old. So we're sitting there in the middle of discussing things, and, and all of a sudden, she's normally sitting next to her sister, Allie. Uh, they usually sit up here on the balcony, so if you haven't seen them yet, you will see uh, them. Uh, they'll be back tonight to share with us. And so they were sitting there looking at each other, and I could tell something wasn't quite right because I was sitting right behind them, and I could tell her countenance started changing, and her heart rate started elevating, and it it got up to a, like 180 beats a minute, so that's a, not a great thing, okay? So, and, and it was just a confirmation to me, and, and obviously things started selling down. There, were, there come a moment where things were selling down, and uh, her sister wanted to encourage her, okay? Because if you've got a sibling, they always want to encourage you. And the thing they want to encourage you with, if you haven't done something you're supposed to, they want to tell your parents, huh? So she, after she knew she was okay, I'm going to tell Mama. I was like, wow, that's going to help her. So, But I watched this young lady go through something. She was doing great, and then when she wasn't doing great, and then it came to where she was doing okay again. So it confirmed something uh, for me that the Lord shared with me uh, in a message that Brother Rodney shared. Uh, it's been a little bit of time, so I've lost perspective. It's been maybe a year or so, maybe longer. So uh, um, in in the book of Joshua, chapter 3, verse 17, we see a story here where... Israel's getting ready to cross the Red Sea. We see that there's been a transition from leadership from Moses to Joshua. And he told God told Joshua, we're going to I'm going to establish you as the leader now. So we're going to know. So we know that the command was that we're going to get the ark of the covenant, the priests to walk down to the edge of the Jordan River. And as soon as the soles of their feet enter the Jordan River, it's going to dry up, and you're going to walk through on dry ground. And the Ark of the Covenant is going to go to the middle, and all of you will be able to pass over. In verse 17, we see that... uh, This Bible is a little bit different than the other one I was reading. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan River. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. And then he goes on to tell them once you go through, I want you to pick one person from each of the tribe, go back and get a stone, and we're going to set up a memorial for us to remember that God stopped up the Jordan River and we crossed through on dry ground as we go into this promise. So, that prompted this thought. Anybody in there ever toted a five-gallon bucket that the handle's missing on? Have you ever had to do that? It's kind of frustrating, isn't it? But have you ever filled it up with stuff like water and you tried to tote it without the handle on it? You know, I think there has to be a handle. So today I want to give you a handle for my sermon, which it may not make sense to most of y'all, but I hope when we finish, it'll be a little bit clearer. When I heard this, the Lord reminded me that I'm in the middle of something. The priests were in the middle of the Jordan River. You see, some people would argue that the Jordan River is only 100 yards wide. At some points. But it was in the flood stage. If you read the story, it's in the flood stage. There's so a little bit more than that. So, people say it's between three and eight foot deep. No big deal. We could probably get across that, right? But if you, you read what the word says, it said they walk through on dry ground. Okay? They walk through. Now... How many of you have ever said, somebody would call you up and say, Hey, I need your help. Can you come over and you say, I'm in the middle of something? Hmm? I'm in the middle of something. Some of you uh, experts would say, well, technically, you're not in the middle. Yes, I am. I didn't say I was in the center. I said I was in the middle. See, down here in the south, we talk about being in the middle of something. I can move over there, or I can move on that side, and I'm still in the middle, in my mind, okay? So you don't have to be at the outside edge to be in the middle. So when we get into middle, we, we can sometimes uh, forget the fact that we have to start somewhere. And uh, in Exodus chapter 14, uh, verses 10 through 12, we see a story where Israel has been in captivity for 430 years, and they've been praying, okay? We want to be free. So they've been talking to God, set us free. Moses shows up because God directed him. The ten plagues happened to Egypt. They finally had enough. They said, we're going to let you go. Okay? They've been set free. And now they come to a place as they begin in their freedom. They come to this point, uh, chapter 14, verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near to the children of Israel, lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you dealt with us uh, to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone? that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They have prayed to God for 430 years to be free. And when they start out on this journey, in the middle of the start, they've already declared after the first challenge, okay? God's going to call us to do stuff. And we've got to start. And the enemy wants to come and wreck the start, don't he? Okay? Look at this. We would have been better... This is same people that prayed to be free. We would have been better to stay in Egypt where we were slaves. Where we were having to make bricks for them. And even after they got mad at us, we were making bricks without straw. We had to go do extra work. But yeah, I would rather go do this instead of seeing your hand work. That's because they couldn't see. See, once there's things that we do in life that we're very familiar with. Those of you who cook, uh, you've got your favorite dishes you like to do, and you've got it kind of dialed in. How long it takes you to cook something to perfection that you love to serve it. So somebody could ask you, well, what time we're going to eat And you can say, because you know about how long it takes, well, I'm in the middle of it right now. You know, you've got it dialed in to exactly know what it's going to take to get to the finish. What happens, though, in life where you can't see the other side? Okay? You can only see the start. You can't see the other side, so you don't know where we're at. I think this is where they were at. So as you read on through, uh, 14 and 15, we see the mighty hand of God work because he was preparing them to see his plan. He split the Red Sea. He did that in a time where they couldn't see. They couldn't see what he was doing. You know, I don't know about you, but I might have had trouble like, uh, God, you you want me to walk through what? I, I, I see this water on both sides here, uh, but mm, I don't know about that. If they could have clearly seen where they would have went, what about you? Put yourself in that position. So we know through that story um, what God did. God told them, said, look, those that y'all see today, you won't see anymore. Let them get to the other side, took his hand off of it, come back together, drowned all the Egyptians. Your enemies, you will not see anymore after this day. Would that not have been enough? Would that not have been enough? So they get over to the other side. In chapter 16, in verse 3, uh, in the, we see they go through some stuff in chapter 15, and they come to another situation. Remember, we're just starting out, and they're already complaining again. In verse 3 of chapter 16, we see, and the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, as a whole assembly with hunger. So, in our moments of unknown. It's human nature for us to go back to what's comfortable because it's familiar. Anybody live in a familiar zone? I'm looking out at you, and some of you sit in the same seat every Sunday. Okay? And some of you would argue, with Jody, somebody else got my seat. I wanted to sit up front, but you was sitting in it. You know, or if I sit up front, Brother Rodney would call me up the stage. But we, we like familiar, don't we? I'm, I'm a creature of habit, by the way, so I'm not condemning y'all. Uh, I, I go to the same places to eat. Uh, I stop by the same gas station, you know, about the same time. Uh, just, just have a lot of familiarity. That can be comfortable, but sometimes that could be a mission, couldn't it? You know, because we like consistency. I wanted to do something today, if you don't mind. My message really doesn't have to do with authentic love, uh, topic that Brother Roddy's been sharing with us this year, but I wanted to show you authentic love. God showed me this demonstration last night, so I'd like to share it with you so you'll see for all of us. All of you that have been members of Auburn Heights for at least 20 years, would you please stand? At least 20 years. Look at Larry. Amen, Larry. Larry's in it, too. All right, the rest of us, let's give honor to them. That's authentic love, okay? Dedication to a family, to a house. Because of your love and your faithfulness, we can be in this presence right here, okay? In the dwelling. Now, some of you said, well, Jody, you didn't call me. If you've been a member of Auburn Heights or the dwelling, one day, one day, you're important. Because you're ahead of those that are coming. So you can look around to your right or to your left, you see empty seats beside you, there's coming a day when the Lord's going to fill those up. Okay? So you're an important part of that. You know, we got coming up uh, very quickly here, uh, March 1st, find your fit. That's where we're going to try to help you plug in to the family of God in service see, all of us are called to serve. All of us have, of us have been gifted to serve. You'll say, well, Jody, I, I, I can't do this, I can't do that. God gave you something you can do, okay? And what you can do is well needed in this family because we are better together. So what if you're on a mission? You know, you can be... Uh, in the middle of a mission, and I want to share with you uh, on Wednesday, which is the middle of my work week, and it just so happens that the middle of the day, I like to eat lunch. So I was on a mission on Wednesday, in the middle of the day, to find me some tacos, okay, So I thought I was going to stop at Del Taco in Columbus because I work close to there. And I was going to be accomplishing my mission, which is to eat enough to make it through the day. But God had a bigger plan for Wednesday than just me eating. It just so happens at that same time, at that same place, and that same day, Frank Duvall was there. Now, I'm looking at Frank walks up behind me. He said, how you doing? I said, great. And I'm kind of shocked because I didn't know Frank would eat tacos, you know. Uh, Frank, I said, Frank, you eat tacos? He said, yeah, I love tacos. Like, Praise the Lord. So he was sitting by himself, and I went over and sat down with him. So I'm thinking, when when I got off in the middle of the day, that I was just going to eat. But God connected me together with Frank. And Frank began to share some nuggets of God with me. So I thought I was just going to eat food, and all of a sudden I was eating from the Word of God. So we're on a mission. And right in the middle of your mission, God's going to do some great things. It may not always be what you think it's going to be. So in Luke chapter 8, in verse 22 through 25, we see a story where Jesus... Uh, it's got his disciples together. Any disciples in here? Is any disciples of Jesus in here? About four of you. Okay, uh, we're all disciples of Jesus, right? Huh? Did y'all? Who was here last Sunday night for uh, "Get Over It" message? How many did y'all see it? Okay, it was good. Okay, it was good. If you haven't seen it, full disclosure, look it up. It's worth watching it. I've watched it a few times. That's one thing that Robert Madue likes to say about his disciples. Because see, sometimes we don't realize who we are, do we? We are disciples if we're saved. So in chapter 8, verse uh, 22, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were, willing, they were filling with water and in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was a calm, but he said to them, Where is your faith? You see, Jesus said to them, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. In some way, Jesus has said to each of us, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. As a family of the dwelling, Jesus has said to each of us, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. In the middle of that, he does not say that everything is going to be perfect. Okay? So, in the middle of this journey that we're on together, he's going to do some things for each of us. It's going to be different because I'm going to tell you the truth. Just like Robert Medu shared about a fence. If we're not careful in the storm, the enemy will sling us out of the boat, okay? And if you do not have your life preserved wrong, if you're not wearing Jesus, you might not make it. Storms are going to come to all of our lives, okay? If you're a follower of Christ and nothing's going wrong for you, you need to be praying Okay. The closer you get to Christ, I promise you, the enemy's going to bring some kind of storm. If you don't have any storms, it might be an indication that you might want to try to get a little closer. Because he's going to leave you alone if you're not doing anything against him. But Remember what he told the disciples here. In the middle of this, in the middle of this. We're going to the other side. See, I'm sure that these guys, a lot of them were fishermen. They've sailed across. They kind of know the way. If I've told you that we need to go to Atlanta, to the Mercedes Dome up there. How many of you been to the Mercedes Dome in Atlanta? So probably without GPS, you could just drive there, couldn't you? Now you might want to stroll the streets till you find the best parking spot, okay? And some of you probably know, hey, uh, this is my first choice. I'm going to park here. I'm going to park here. If the second one's full, I'm going to park here. I've got it figured out. You've been to a place. You know each step along the way how long is it going to take you to get there when you're on that mission. A lot of our missions, though, we won't know exactly what it's going to look like along the way before we get there. Anybody ever driven anywhere in the dark that you've never been before? That's a little unnerving at times because you can rely on the GPS and you can look at the uh, circumstances around you and they don't line up with the GPS. But we have to put some trust in that, don't we? In the middle of our journeys where we can't see, he said to us, we're going to the other side. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're in the middle of today, Jesus is saying the same thing to us that he said to the disciples. We're going to the other side. And then the next, uh, and Daniel, uh, shout out to Daniel up there. Uh, Daniel does a wonderful job. Appreciate you, Daniel. Uh, We see uh, the story of when the Israelites were led off the captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. There was four young men that were selected to be a part that was saved. And we see that they found favor. We know the story uh, in the first part in in chapter 1 and all that these four Hebrews had found favor. They wanted to give them the food that the rest were eating, and they said, no, uh, we don't want to take part in that. Uh, We want to eat what we know our God wants us to eat, and we want to honor Him by how we take care of ourselves, and we're just not going to do what you're doing. And the first time that I thought about this, and and I'm thankful for Lisa because she's always willing to help me change, because sometimes I don't get... Everything worked out, and, and, and last night, Lord showed me, you know, not to call it this, but you see, the when I first thought about this point, I thought about in the middle of a test. Okay? These three young Hebrews in chapter 3 are in the middle of a test, but they're really in the middle of a challenge. See, test is one of those things that Ms. Conway will give you at the Freshman Center in Honors History, and you've got 100 questions that you better get 70 of them right, or you're going to not have a passing grade. Is that right? Amen over there? Mr. Conway is shaking his head because she don't get bonus points. So a test is something that you pass or fail, correct? A challenge is something that we're all going through. You see, we've, a lot of us in here are not going to the formal education system anymore, Okay? So we're not taking tests that uh, professors and teachers are passing out. We're taking tests that life is handed out, right? Huh? And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm taking some of them that didn't pass the first time. And I'm taking some of them again that I didn't pass the second time. But praise the Lord, uh, He lets me keep taking them. These guys, are, though, are in the middle of a challenge. See, they're in captivity. And because they were obedient to God, God gave them favor. Okay? They were elevated up to a position because of Daniel. Daniel's faithfulness. They were elevated up because of their connection to him. And they become important. And of course, when you get promoted, there's always somebody that's jealous. Okay, And so all these other people around them are jealous. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, develops a gold statue that's 90 foot tall, about 9 foot wide. It's standing out there. And he wants everybody to bow down to it because that's his idea. And they wouldn't eat the food that everybody else was eating. They're surely not going to bow down to any other god but the god that they serve. So we see in the middle of this challenge of being in captivity, and now they're forced to bow or die. And so, in Daniel 3, verse 16 through 18, we see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, Let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. You see, in a culture that wants us to bend to their ways, in a culture that wants us to do what they do, in a culture where they want us to eat what they eat, We can learn a lesson from these three guys who didn't just get to this challenge or get to this test and decide, you know what, I think we'll get this one right. They had already declared before they got in the middle of the challenge where they stood. You see, that's an important lesson to us because we're going to be challenged. You think you've seen all the challenges you're going to see? As long as you're breathing, I'm afraid not. There are some challenges I hope I don't have to face. Okay? Okay, it's no secret to you guys that my father uh, had cancer and he passed away. Now my mother has cancer and she's in the middle of this challenge. Okay? I'm watching her go through chemo treatments. I've watched her go through radiation treatments. I'm watching the effect of what it's doing to her. But my mother made a declaration that I'm going to be here on this earth until God is ready for me. So not even this is going to take me out. She told the doctor this, no matter what you say, you can't keep me alive it's my time to go. And you're not going to be able to take me out until God's ready for you. And how can I argue with that? Okay? That's a challenge. So, some of us are facing those, aren't we? But I think some of us are like this last guy. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, we see a guy here that would, I think, best represents my last point. It's when you're in the middle of a need. In verse 1, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus, was but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short of stature. So, although it seems on the surface, that Zacchaeus had everything that he needed. Uh, if y'all remember about, uh, some of you know it well, some of you may not, the tax collectors in those days were not really nice guys. And some of you are looking around and you say, nothing's changed. <laughs> huh? I don't know about you, but I do not enjoy going to pay the tax man, okay, as we refer to it. When you have to pay your taxes. Our taxes are necessary though, right? The government can't run like it wants to run if they don't have our tax money, huh? But they don't do today what they were doing in that dispensation of time. Uh, I don't know that they've come to your house and shook you down and took all the money in your pocket, you know. Uh, They do have rates that seem to go up. They tax you for everything that you own. But they don't randomly decide, well, Miss Sherry, you're driving a nice vehicle. We're going to charge you 85% tax, and and Jody, we're just happy that you made it over here. We're only going to charge you 20%. They're going to charge us the same rate, aren't they? In our life, we're going to be in the middle of a need. See, Zacchaeus thought he had it all together. Okay? I've got money. I've got position. But I've heard about a man named Jesus. And I've heard that he's coming this way. And I've heard that he does a lot of wonderful things. And I might need something from him. You see, why did it say he was short of stature? And I know we have the Sunday school song that we've seen about Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? In the middle of his path, God had planted a tree, Okay? That tree was planted not on that day. That tree was planted way in the, few, in the past so that on this day that it would be to its full growth that when the intersection of Jesus and Zacchaeus came together, he could utilize what God put in his way. In our need today, God has already put things in our way. We just have to recognize it. We have to recognize... You have to recognize that we all have a need, don't we? Now today, some of you may say, i got a financial need. God is the answer. Okay? He is our provider, right? Some of you here today may be in the need of a healing. Okay? He is our healer. And just like Zacchaeus, you might be in need of a savior. So if you're here today, if you're here today, and Jesus is just somebody you've heard about, and Jesus is not who you met yet, today is the day for that. Today is the day for salvation. I promise you, if you'll go and you'll think about these things, uh, let the Lord speak to you in the way He speaks to you. We need to be in the middle of reading God's Word. Because in God's Word, in the middle of your situation, is the answer. On days when I think I'm reading just to read, Psalms is a book that I read. And some days I come away with, well, that sounded good, but today was a day in the middle of the psalm that I read, it's like, illumination. Okay? If y'all would permit me, I'd like to read it because I snapshotted it. Because sometimes my memory don't work as good as I want it to. I wanted to share with you what, and I don't know if it will mean anything to you, but it sure meant something to me today. So, in the middle of Psalm 40, verse 4, Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. In the middle... Great things will happen. Every one of us are in the middle of something. Would you please stand?